Hey, what's up, everyone? We're gonna try to make this episode fairly quick. Uh, I've got a cat cleaning itself in the background, a garbage truck outside. Hopefully, I don't need to re-record, but let's roll. I apologize if I am forgetting to bring something to this episode that I should be, that I maybe previously said I would. I feel like I am forgetting something, but going through things yesterday, I included some quick reviews on like four or five pieces of content, and I also gave a bit of a channel update. Today, I am expecting to get a copy of The Grey for reviewing. It is easier to review, rewatch, and record stuff when I own it. So, once I get this edited quickly and popped out, I will be spending the rest of this lovely Friday and much of my weekend working on The Grey as well as reviewing and writing some notes up on a couple of more properties for my second episode of my game show. Which, at this point, I think... I will have a bit of a focus on sci-fi content in that game show. And without further ado, let's talk about WandaVision. I haven't spoken about the show since episode 4, which means I'll be running through some notes that I've had from episodes 5, 6, 7, 8, and the finale episode 9, as well as an overall opinion, which honestly may slip in there once or twice while I go through these notes, but uh, let's get rolling. WandaVision's episodes 5 and 6 notes are combined. I enjoyed the ways that they are trying to stay true to the tropes of sitcom television, interweaving those tropes into the actual story that they're telling and making those fit into the larger Marvel universe as well. Yeah, I'd say in like the final two or three episodes, maybe that finally gets totally washed out. Probably final two episodes. Episode 5, to me, felt like it was uh, closer to the early 90s than it did feel like it was like the entirety of the 80s. And the same could be said about episode 6, where it definitely felt as much like a 2000s sitcom as it did a 90s sitcom. I wasn't alive during the 60s or 70s and hardly into the any of the 80s, so maybe each episode has been questionable as to exactly what decade it was from, and I don't really think it matters. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the sitcom that Wanda has created has been methodically cruising from decade to decade at a random pace. The reasoning behind any of this who knows? And you could really truly still say that after watching the entirety of the first season. It's more of a gimmick than anything. It still appears that there is someone at the helm. I want to roll that back. I mean, there are, I shouldn't say that is a question without any answers. I mean, who knows? We kind of know some of the answers, but uh, specific answers as to how things worked out, we don't know. And I'm glad they didn't try to take the time to explain. There probably is no real good explanation. Oh, shoot. You know what? They even did explain it, and it went, I'm going to mostly take that away. For the most part, those, except for real technical questions, I, that all gets answered. <laughs> it still appears that there is someone working at the helm, like a controller that is responsible for all that is happening, and I'm not talking about Wanda. Side note, now that I've seen it all, that statement was both correct and incorrect on differing levels. Let's move along to episode 7. So those were my thoughts kind of midway through the series. In episode 7, we've reached the 2000s, which means office-style mockumentary format. And seeing as The Office came out in 2005, I suppose that supports my previous note about how this show is more so following kind of along like the middle of each decade than throughout the entirety of a decade for one single show. Wanda talking to her kids like they're adults in this episode I found humorous. Vision scratching his ears while conducting interviews is a hilarious little touch. It's 
just a very human trait, and yet this robot without any actual ears is doing it. Besides that, I really didn't write much about this episode because uh, it would be hard not to spoil while talking about it. All in all, I wrote, I dig the show so far. Episode 8. Right off the bat, they did a really nice job of de-aging Agatha. Just wanted to point that out. This episode sort of goes the Ghost of Christmas Past route, where we take a look back in order to understand where we are now. The, uh, I wrote this note weirdly, so, uh, there is a fourth wall break from Agatha where she goes, he's loud, isn't he? Pointing out some more humor that I really enjoyed in this episode, and then watching Malcolm in the Middle at the Avengers compound is a, a silly little tidbit that they have in the show. Looking back at my notes from episodes 7 and 8, I think it is pretty clear that I'm enjoying all of, like the little things that WandaVision does, and that's to say I'm still missing out on a whole buttload of like Marvel-specific Easter eggs and whatnot that go over my head. But um, other more pertinent little things to the show besides just for the Marvel fans, I really enjoy um, how much attention that they pay to de details. And that brings us right up to episode 9. Uh, my first note is that the, the series began... This is going to be sort of a little bit of a mixture of notes about the entire series as well as specifically episode 9, so I'll, I'll try to make it clear. But the series began as a story of learning how to let go. And that is where it also finishes. And I can definitely appreciate the, fa the fact that the showrunners did not forget that main theme for this series. The last episode gives everyone the superhero battles that they came for. So if that's what you started the show for, maybe gave up on, it is there. Um, and right now I'm just going to drop, you know, if you are a hardcore MCU fan and for some reason don't know if you want to watch this show or not, if you're not into the first few episodes or if you really feel comfortable just trusting me on this, you could probably skip ahead to episode seven and watch seven, eight, and nine and get the pertinent facts to the whole MCU universe. Um, so let's see, where was I? Oh, so talking about the, the battles, um that everyone came for it all feels mostly deserved and any complaints that i do have about the warring that is going on are quite minor there are like a couple little things but whatever remember moving forward here that i'm coming from a place of a not very interested in the mcu as a whole kind of person so just you know don't forget that as i talk about these things also before i wrap this up i would like to mention that i think they did a really good job of casting everyone is really good in their roles and some people you know top-notch really really good fits and good acting this is a property like much of disney's stuff especially that will age as time goes on there are quite a of a few digital effects being done um and not all of it even looks great today so this product will age as time goes on to certain extents on the other hand the non-digital effects are all also really well or are all really well done um there may be an item or two that could be reworked, like that I kind of caught, maybe weren't quite screen ready, like some of the makeup uh, once or twice. A quick take on the uh, very ending credit scene of this. It would appear to me that Wanda was able to recreate everything that went on in this series in a stable place, possibly within her own mind. Um, like she was told, knowledge is her weakness. She appears to have manifested an entity that is studying up but also like a living host to support the life that she created in this series 
I know that's all a bit vague, but I'm I'm avoiding spoilers and B I don't know enough about Scarlet Witch's powers and or the MCU to really get more specific than that, and C Wanda has to have kept some ties given her solution to her nosy neighbor. So obviously some ties were maintained, I suppose. Alright, um all in all, this series should you watch it? Are you into comic book stuff? Then probably you should watch it if your answer was yes. Are you into generally well-produced shows? Well, then probably you should watch it. Are you into nostalgia in general? Well, then probably you should watch it. I'm not going to go with like, this is a 100% watch for anyone except for the hardcore, hardcore of the MCU people. And once again, like I said, I think those people, the information that they really need is probably in those final three episodes of the series. The rest, I think, is just kind of filler setting up things. Um, so it's like a, it's like a eighty percent chance for most all audiences. Like, I don't know who to not recommend the show to specifically. Uh, you just have to listen in to some of the stuff that I've said and see if it interests you or not on some of those levels. Um, you know, if you're on the fence, I would recommend taking a dive. I guess is what I'm saying. I would not recommend binging the show. I think it's more of like a one to three episode at a time show. That's a, that's about the pace that this should probably be viewed at. But, you know, I didn't try binge watching it, so maybe it's a little different that way. Um, anyways, that is WandaVision. Ultimately, gets a thumbs up from me. Maybe two. Uh, pretty darn good. I will give one quick recommendation since I've got a little bit of time. So I guess I'll uh, scratch this from potentially being on my second game show episode. The game show, you know, where I go through five pieces of content that I've seen recently and rank them. It's built around a gimmick, but that gimmick serves a purpose. Enough self-plugging, though. I am going to recommend the MTV-produced reality television series, Are You the One? Which apparently has eight seasons. I've only seen the first two seasons, which are available on Netflix, and that's why I've seen them. And I would think that it's possible a lot more seasons are available directly through MTV's website. That is a total guess, though. I don't know. The show, Are You the One, puts 20 people, 10 girls, and 10 guys, at least in the earlier seasons. I know they get more progressive as the season's series advances. Anyways, they are all supposed to be people who, for one reason or another, suck at dating, suck at picking the correct partners in life. It's a very solid premise for this type of show, and I think it offers more value to the watchers and contestants than most dating shows of this type and most reality shows in general. The contestants are forced to look introspectively to figure out who their perfect match is, and as a viewer, you are able to A. Play along in the game to a certain extent. I suppose you could go hardcore and really try to figure it out on paper if you wanted. And B. If you're open and honest with yourself, you may learn a thing or two along the way as well. For that reason, I'm willing to openly recommend an MTV-produced reality television series. Some quick thoughts specifically on the two seasons that I've seen. The first season's contestants played the game quite well, and they largely avoided screwing themselves up with extraneous relationships. While watching, you may not agree with that. But when you witness the second season, you'll see what I'm saying. For reasons of playing the game well, and because there seemed to be fewer scenes where scenes where the producers uh, clearly like were had some reenactments done, or there there was outside pressure um, that that came through on screen. I enjoyed season one a lot because it had less of that. Uh, I know it's been a while since I started that point, but it has less of 
what feels like producer interaction. On the other hand, season two gets a bit more dramatic, of course, and there is a lot more hooking up and relationships that get uh, like set in stone early on in the show, which are ultimately roadblocks for you know the ultimate goal of the show to win there. By the way, $50,000. They say a million a bunch, but you split a million between 20 people. It's a little less than a million. <laughs> Anyways, um, the season two's cast took a bit of time to grow on me, but once I accepted the pure fraternity level vibe look, maturation levels of the guys in season two, I loved it. There's a bunch of nicknames and hooting and hollering at the ceremonies. There you go, JT! <laughs> and it takes you back to your teens or your early 20s. Maybe that's not a great thing for everyone, but I think if you allow yourself to be entertained by it, it is quite entertaining and it adds an element of character that is both lovable and very much hateable too, to, you know, to that cast. If you are looking to fill that guilty pleasure void of reality TV, you can do much worse than the first two seasons of Are You The One? That's it. That is today's episode. I will be back for sure in two weeks' time, hopefully sooner. Until then, take care and check me out slash give me a follow at Extreme Movie on Twitter. At, at Extreme Movie on Twitter. At, at sign Extreme Movie on Twitter. <laughs> Peace.